Revolutionary.org podcast coming your way, episode 526. Steve and the Mobster joining me. Today we're going to be talking about another nutrition episode. This one's an important one. It's going to be why you need to learn to cook or meal prep. So in this one, you know, uh, a lot of people out there, you get into the habit of having food delivered. You get into the habit of going and getting food after the gym. You get into the habit of doing it that way versus cooking your own food. So we're going to, in this episode, we're going to help you. We're going to help you do it a better way. You're going to save money. It's going to be much more clean. Um, it's going to be much more healthier. And you're really going to feel a lot better uh, overall. And you're going to have better results because of that, being able to cook your own food and meal prep. So Mops, I'll bring in Mobster on this one. Mobster, what are your thoughts on this one right off the bat? So I, I'm 100% behind the whole idea of cooking for yourself, Steve, and meal prep specifically in terms of if you're looking to gain weight, get ripped, and especially if you're looking to compete, is 100% something you need to do. Now, guys, if you've got that much disposable income, there's a couple of real cool meal prep companies out there, but you should still learn to cook. It's one of those basic things that Steve and I were taught way back in the day, and it's real, real simple. It, I mean, honestly, guys, it sometimes feels like it's a lot of work. For the stuff that we're going to have as bodybuilders, it's not. It is so, so easy. And like Steve, said, it gives you ultimate control. When we, We're going to get into what the kind of food is available sometimes in the supermarkets compared to what you're going to do. And a silly example, Steve, would be sodium-free in the last few weeks before competition. The amount of times that even stuff that looks like meal prep food will have some kind of sodium or, or, or sugar, et cetera, in the sauces or the dressings versus you making almost identical food in your house and controlling exactly what goes into it. And that, I mean, it's the thing, even with meal prep companies, Steve, they're not preparing it for you, the individual with your needs and your requirements and maybe your allergies versus a healthy prepped meal which generically then sent out. And they will even have combinations of, you know, lean, high calorie, et cetera, et cetera. I know world-class bodybuilders and world-class weightlifters, uh, strong men are, are using meal prep companies. But again, it's not made specifically in a kitchen for that athlete. It's just a healthy meal. Making it for yourself, you, you can have what you want on it in terms of seasoning, as, as I said, the sodium, you can control the fat content to the gram, the protein content to the gram, the carbohydrate to the gram. So to me, and we see this sometimes on the forums where the guys going to delis and stuff, there's a small, there's a big percentage of a generation that are coming there, Steve, that almost never cook or can barely cook. And this is something you need to do, guys. You've had disasters in America just recently and in the past. You need to be able to take something out of the cupboard and make a meal, not just zap it in a microwave, actually make a meal and here's another thing guys and it's it's not even a bodybuilding thing the process of making that especially if you're doing it for your family but even for yourself it feels kind of special it's, it's a nice thing to do and if you're doing it for example a partner that's training or lifting it is hugely appreciated what do you think steve i can't even remember to when i first moved out of the house as a late teenager and one of the first um, gifts I got from, you know, friends and family was a cookware set. And in this cookware set 
had everything. It was pretty much, it's got, it had pots, pans, silverware, basically the basics of what you need for a kitchen. So obviously, you know, everybody knows about that. But what you may not know is that there are more options you can get for your kitchen that are really, really going to help with your cooking. And I didn't really realize how sophisticated you could possibly get until I got older. One of the things that I invested in was an air fryer. And an air fryer, there are basically, you can work an air fryer two ways. You can get the air fryers, which you just put the food in, shut it, and it cooks. Or you can get the air fryers that actually will rotate. You could basically put it in a little basket. The basket will rotate. Or you put it like on a stick and the stick will rotate it. So it works really good if you want to make like rotisserie chicken, wings. Um, you can cut up some sweet potato fries. So it really opens up a lot of options for you. Another thing too, a grill. Um, you can get a grill and you'll be able to grill food outside um and you can use, use a charcoal grill which is going to be expensive because every time you use a charcoal it's going to be expensive or you can get the gas grill and then with the gas grill you just have to change out the propane whenever the propane runs out so there are um, some good investments you can make to make life easier for you um that are more energy efficient i would say ovens are not very energy efficient <clears throat> in america our ovens are huge why are our ovens huge they're designed to cook a huge turkey for thanksgiving <laughs> you see what i'm saying yeah. but honestly you know the time it takes to warm up an oven is it takes a really really long time so it really is a inefficient way to cook now a, a stovetop you need a pan you need a pot boiling food Grilling food on the pan, very, very, very good idea. And then, um, Mobster, you wanted to chime in? I'm going to give you some, yeah, some more things. Actually, even with the oven thing that you just mentioned, Steve, because one of the meal prep things I'm going to suggest, would you be using the oven when you're cooking a lot of food all at once? So we'll get into that in a minute. Two things that you didn't mention, Steve. I would probably – I actually haven't got one. I used to have one, and it was great, which would be a George Foreman-style grill. And, again, you could still meal prep a little bit of extra food ahead of time. And the other thing that you didn't mention, Steve, is a steamer. Very similar in construction and appearance to an uh, air fryer, but you can buy these machines and you can put different vegetables on different levels. And in fact, by putting them on different levels, they cook at different rates. And the steamer, and both the air fryer and the steamer guys uses minimal amounts of oil in the case of the air fryer. So you're keeping, in fact, healthy, really low. And or the uh, steamer is, again, literally, I believe, like a tablespoon, two tablespoons of water. And again, the steamer is also good because you, if a lot of people salt water uh, when they're boiling or uh, simmering vegetables, but a steamer uses next to nothing. I don't think uh, my mum's done it a bunch of times when we've been down there to eat. And I don't think there's any salt or sodium in the steamer when it's uh, steaming the vegetables. And in fact, Steve will tell you it is the healthiest way to do it. Uh, something else, guys, and I, I'm going to do this just – I'll make a quick suggestion, and Steve's got a couple of suggestions here. Right, so let's go back to the other one. The, 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 the Steve says, ovens in this country, funny enough, Steve, we're getting – we're following you Americans, and some really, really nice big ranges that we can have. But I've got a normal-sized uh, half a metre, 50 centimetre across uh, cooker with four rings and, and, a, and a grill and, and an oven. So here's the thing, guys. It sounds – when you are in college – when you're working, when you're working, studying, and training, 
You don't have a lot of time. We appreciate that 100%. We know that, especially when you're pushing your career and you're in the gym and you're doing a bunch of other stuff, it, the time is limited. And this is the reason why people get takeouts. This is the reason why people buy food on the way home. This is the reason why people get meals delivered, even healthy meals delivered. But here's the thing, and I use this example, Steve. Chicken breast is the classic bodybuilder's staple up there, right up there with tuna and, and, and certain kinds of fish. So let's use the chicken breast. You go to a supermarket, but preferably, as Steve will tell you, a proper butcher's and find out, especially again with this stuff, if it's been corn-fed, grass-fed, if it's free-range, if it's organic, find, get the choice of chicken breast that you want. Now, skinless or skin on. Let's go skinless because it's super healthy here, Steve. Here's what I do, and it's an unbelievably simple way to cook. And you can use the oven for this, and you can do it in such a way that if you want, you can make enough chicken breast meals for the whole damn week, and the whole thing's going to be like an hour. And that includes preparation. And it's simple as this. Three trays, medium size, with seven to eight, maybe nine, ten chicken breasts per tray on a foil base and seasoned. Like I said, skin this chicken. You can wash them if you want. Some chicken breasts come with sodium and water already loaded. So we're going to try and get the healthiest option possible. And then season each tray differently. So herbs on one, some kind of spicy seasoning on the other, all sodium controlled. You know what's in them. You can even, and Steve will get into this, make your own spices and stuff that you can put on the chicken or whatever other meat you're cooking. That's a great fun thing to do, and it will last a long time if it's probably prepared. And then, like I said, so three trays, eight, nine, ten chicken breasts per tray, and each one seasoned differently. That way you're not going to get bored and driven up the, crazy up the wall with the same food all the time. In the oven, cook. When they really take them out and bag them up or put them into Tupperware tubs separately. So you've got 10, 10 15, 20 meals right there, Steve. And then you can do the same thing with rice or pasta or whatever, but rice is an easy one. And you can do sodium-free stock cubes in each batch of rice and then bag the chicken and the rice together or Tupperware tub the chicken and the rice together. You can even be super healthy and make sure that the Tupperware and all the bags that you're using are produced in such a way that there's no contaminants coming out of them. I forget the name of the particular kind of plastic you want, but then again, those things. And they, you can zap them in a the microwave, you can eat them cold. This is what professional bodybuilders are having. And you could even be like, do that for say five days a week and then at the weekend, relax a little bit with a fast food. But there's, it, and honestly, what would that cost, Steve? If you do it right and you can buy cases of chicken breast, uh, frozen, defrosted, prepping the way that I've talked about, $50, $60, $70 for the whole damn week and at least two chicken breast meals per day. Super simple, super easy. Give them another couple of ideas, Steve, that they can do that you've, you've tried and we know about. Yeah, rice cooker. It's another really, really good investment. Rice cooker, yes. it's very easy to make rice in it. You put the rice in, you put the water, you add a little salt, and salt isn't bad for you. It's, it's a lot of the salty foods that are out there that are processed. Those are bad for you. But adding some salt in into your food is completely okay. I mean, there's salt naturally found in nature. It's naturally found in seawater. So, I mean, just don't overdo it on the salt, obviously. But you can add some salt, add some coconut oil to it, put it in the rice cooker, cook it. 
Um, usually brown rice takes longer than, than white rice, but I, I strongly recommend always brown rice. Brown rice is much healthier for you. It's got the kernel attached. There's a less of a glycemic load when you use brown rice. <clears throat> also with that same rice cooker, you can cook vegetables. What I like to do is I buy a bunch of broccoli and a bunch of spinach, cut it up, put it in the rice cooker where the rice would go, not in the basket. There's a vegetable basket that comes with it. No, 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 no. I don't use the basket. I just put it where the rice would go, fill up the water halfway and let that thing steam. Okay. Usually it takes about 20 minutes, maybe a little longer. It takes a little, it takes much longer to steam it that way than putting it on the pot. But it really, really cooks it nice and slow and steams it so you don't burn away a lot of the nutrition. So that's a really good way to food prep. So now you got your rice for the next four or five days. You got your vegetables for the next four or five days. Now, how do you cook the chicken? What is the easiest way to cook the chicken? Well, you can either use the, the air fryer. And as mobster mentioned, you don't have to use any add oil, any oils. The, the oil alone from the chicken will basically, you know, will, will give it the flavor. So really, you don't have to even add anything except a little salt and black pepper if you wanted to, to that chicken when you put in the air fryer. It will taste really good. But you can also add smoked paprika is a really good addition to it. Lime or lemon is a really good addition to it. And in that case, you would marinate it inside, uh, marinate the chicken for a few hours or, or, or overnight. And it will really too good. Or you can get barbecue sauce. I use something called Fody, F-O-D-Y barbecue sauce. It's low to, it's no, no map, So it won't upset your stomach. The ingredients are all natural in it. There's no preservative. There's no garbage in the product. And you can basically marinate it in that if you like barbecue chicken. Now you can use the same recipes that I gave you. Where you, you know, black pepper, salt, smoked paprika, the barbecue sauce, the lime slash lemon. Um, and you can also do that recipe on the grill. So what you would do is you would basically use the, the chicken cutlets. Um, it, it's much more safe to cook on the grill because if you use a thick chicken breast on the grill, what happens a lot of times is the inside won't cook, but the outside will, will char and burn. So you end up really like screwing yourself because the outside of the chicken is, is not edible and the inside of the chicken is un unedible. So I like to basically either fillet the breast myself or I'll buy the cutlets and um, and then I'll put them on the grill. And when you're grilling chicken, you want to flip it, flip it, flip it. Keep flipping the chicken more than once. You want to make sure it's cooked thoroughly on the inside and investing in a good temperature cooker, um, you know, where, where you can test the temperature, make sure the insides are cooked of chicken because chicken, if you undercook chicken and eat it, you open yourself up for food poisoning. So I'll get like two or three pounds of chicken and then I'll cook it either on the grill or in the air fryer. And then boom, now I have chicken, rice and broccoli good for the week. And you just basically have like, you have like a whole week's worth of food and you put them in, in good containers and you store them properly in the fridge and they won't go bad because that salt and pepper preserves it. So it will last in your refrigerator for many, many days. You don't have to worry about going bad. So it's very important to cook chicken within a day. Don't leave chicken sitting in your fridge for more than a day. Otherwise it can go rotten. So you want to basically cook it. So that's pretty much what I do. And, and, and you'll have chicken all week. It really works beautifully. 
Mobster? Yeah, one that we used to do a lot here, and I, for some reason it's got out of uh, vogue, Steve, is jacket potatoes. Uh, and essentially that is a large cooking potato, and you make sure you buy the right kind of spud. King Edward, Woodford, you've got different brands and, and names for them in the States. And it's essentially, you make sure you're weighing that beast. I mean, you could even do sweet potato, but this jacket potato works better. And uh, uh, cook it and then wrap it in foil. And then you could take it out of foil or cling film would probably work better in this particular case. And people quite often cut these up into chunks and you can have them cold, but it's still healthy or warm them up. And a lot of guys will have access to some sort of a microwave, this is sort of thing, even if they're working on uh, construction sites. And you can warm that up real, real quick. And you keep the dressing separately. You can add a tin of tuna dressing, which again, we can. there's places with recipes for making dressings to your large jacket potato. And you're getting calories right there. You're getting protein right there. You're getting healthy oils in the fish. And if the dressing's made homemade, you can have that super healthy as well. What was the other thing I was thinking of? Ah, this is a simple trick I've done myself in the past, Steve. Right, so living and occasionally, and probably for the last few years, working 99.9% .9 from home. Uh, it's quite easy for me just to cook a single meal in the evening. But what I've done in the past, especially when I was busy, especially when I was hard training for competitions, is I would cook double the amount of food. So if I was going to, for argument's sake, have a, some kind of pie, or steak or whatever, and a certain amount of vegetables, I would cook double the amount of vegetables. I would cook another pie at the same damn time. You're using the same amount of electricity, especially if it's in the oven again, using the same amount of electricity to, to boil or simmer or cook in the healthy ways that we suggested the vegetables, but you're doing double the amount. Now, not only have you got the meal that you're about to eat, you've got another meal ready. Now, this is all these kind of stuff is time-saving and Crazy, crazy healthy. Something else you should consider, and it's one of those things that's come from prison. The amount of bodybuilders and weightlifters and athletes, it's not a huge number, Steve, but it's significant insofar as that we've seen these recipes and we've seen these cooking gestures. And you know what these guys are doing, Steve? They are cooking in their cell. Now, if you can cook in a cell when you haven't got access to a cooker, you've got a, quite often the guys are using candles and stuff like that to cook these things. They're using Raymond, uh, which I believe is a sort of kind of pasta. You, you correct me on this. And then again, it'll be tins of tuna and tins of and dressing sachets. Quite often the sachets are coming actually from the food that we'd normally be given. Prison food, especially American prison food, where they, a lot of those prisons are run commercially, is goddamn fucking awful. And yet there are bodybuilders and weightlifters in there. Not only are they training it, and some of them are huge and crazy muscular and super, super strong, they are incredibly creative. They have to be by necessity. So, guys, YouTube is definitely not your friend when it comes to cooking full stuff. And it doesn't matter what it is, whether you're making a cheesecake, a full roast dinner for Christmas, or Thanksgiving or whatever else. There's a bunch of stuff out there. But it's also, as well as these prison cookbooks, Prison cookbooks are actually really, really, really good for bodybuilders because it's super creative. It's really, really limited on the quality and accessibility to the ingredients. And again, these guys would be the ones that would make amazing seasonings. They'll do stuff with peppers and salts and, and, and as Steve said, the spices. And my favorite thing for that was, um, I'm thinking of Ronnie Common, eating healthy, but he has some kind of barbecue sauce on there. And it was one of those... I need, this is the thing that sometimes guys don't like about meal prep. 
and specifically about bodybuilding diets. It can be incredibly boring. And the trick, as I said, is their spice, the seasoning. Even in Steve's example, mixing up the vegetables that you're going to do. Example again, Steve, plantain as well as sweet potato, as well as normal potato. They're all relatively good with carbohydrate. I think uh, naturally low sodium anyway. And uh, you're just varying the amounts a little bit in order to get the same amount of carbohydrate calories every single day. Examples, again, Steve's already mentioned with the oils. You can, you can choose specific, very high-quality olive oils, but you are very sparing with the dressing. And if you can learn to make your dressings, that's amazing. But Steve said already, and this, you'll see this a lot in diets for bodybuilders, the coconut oil. And again, we're talking about a teaspoon of oil, even in the air fryers, but certainly even when you're making these dressings. And coconut oil is one of those things that's fantastically good for bodybuilders, along with high quality. I think one of your favorite, Steve, is macadamia oil and, and, and a couple of other things you guys can choose from. And again, here's the thing, varying those things. So it's one or one day, one or the next day and so on. But like I said, there's two or three fantastic tricks out there just for making food ahead of time and then having it. You might end up having guys this you because you're constantly carrying around your Tupperware tubs, but value i mean that said already let's just let's talk about value for a second here it doesn't sound like you'd be saving money but in fact you do because you are not buying the crap which we're going to get into briefly that you get with other food you're, it's not covered in dressing to make it a cheap cut of meat to sound tasty you're controlling the cut of meat it's not covered in glucose syrup based dressings the chicken breast, if you get the right kinds of chicken breasts, there are cheap chicken breasts. I've used them, but you can go on the internet and see the people at the meat plant injecting the saline into the chicken breast. So this huge chicken breast shrinks down to nothing. No, the organic stuff will shrink, but it won't shrink by half the size and weight. And there's and, and again, these are real, real simple ideas and ways of controlling the quality. I think Steve and I have talked about this kind of stuff before, and it's one of those things, again, as we've got older. But the quality of the meat that we get and the choices of places we go to. I've had meat delivered here, and you know that there's certain meats that the butcher's going to deliver you have all the time. I go to another place. If I find a place that does the meat, the quality of light, I'll buy two or three servings, not just what I'm going to eat because I've seen the meat right there, but I'll buy more. And then even then, we've got a, a couple of companies in this country that do meal prep as well as the actual meat and high-protein foods being delivered to you. And again, you can be very selective with this kind of stuff. Ultimately, if you guys are super serious about losing weight, super serious about putting on muscle, super serious about competing, meal prep for yourself is the only way, in my opinion, that you should actually go. And here's the thing, like I said already, guys, it sounds complicated. We get that you're time busy, but it's unbelievably easy once you've learned it. It's like learning any new skill, and it's actually fun to be creative. And, of course, if it's skinless chicken breast for a competition, then you can definitely have the skin on or eat other parts of the chicken for the rest of the year. But every single meal will be healthy. Steve, talk about, because we've discussed this previously, the quality of some ready foods in the supermarkets and the quality of some foods that come with takeout from restaurants. We've discussed this before. You, you know all about this. Yeah, so it goes back to what they're using in these restaurants. you got to remember the restaurants, their inventory is the food. They don't want the food to spoil. So anyone who's worked in the 
And the food industry knows the way it works. They ship in the products frozen. They'll defrost it. And then they'll cook it for you when you order it. Um, they're not going to just cook the food be you know before you're even there. They got to make sure. They don't want to waste the food. Because if they defrost the food and, and no one orders it, they're going to waste it. You see what I'm saying? So they have to make sure that you're there. So really the food quality in a restaurant is extremely, extremely poor. Even if you go to an expensive restaurant, I'm not talking some cheap restaurant like Chili's or something. I'm talking about an expensive restaurant. They even do stuff like that. So, and the way they cook the food, they don't cook it in good quality oil. They cook it in the cheapest oil. So they'll cook it in the cheap oil. It's a good preservative. It's satiating. It tastes good to most people. And that allows them to save money and make sure that the food tastes good to you. So they'll also add a lot of things to the food, like onions and garlic, to give it more flavor. But those aren't necessarily the things that you want in your body. Uh, a lot of people have the misconception that garlic and onions are somehow good for you. And they do have health benefits. <clears throat> but the health benefits are not as pronounced and, and uh, as people believe. In a lot of ways, they do strain your gut quite a bit. So that's why after you have garlic or onions, you may notice that. You may notice you get a little stomach ache. You may notice you might get diarrhea afterwards. So really, garlic and onion is something I avoid. So I want to know what's in my food. So what you do at home, you get a, a tub of cold-pressed, unrefined coconut oil. It's got to be both cold-pressed and unrefined. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. And that is as close to what you'll find in nature as you're going to possibly get. And that's what you cook with. Now, I'm not saying put globs of that of that coconut oil in your food. I'm not saying it's necessarily some magic food, but it's something neutral where you can cook with it in a pan. You can cook with it in your air fryer. You can cook with it when you marinate stuff, and it's not going to be bad for you. But if you are using canola oil and these vegetable oils, I mean, my gosh, can you make oil out of, I mean, come on, you can't squeeze a vegetable and make oil out of it. It's a scam. Don't use these, these all refined oils in your food. They're killing us. These hydrogenated oils, they're so bad for us. And they're used in everything that you buy in packages and they're used in every restaurant and fast food joint out there. And they're absolutely killing us. It really is. I mean, it really is sad. And it's one of the reasons why our health is becoming poor. Um, more and more poor and people are living less longer. So make sure, I love it. I love being able to cook my own food and making it taste good. And that's what it is. So you make sure you invest in a tub of unrefined cold-pressed coconut oil. You can go on Amazon and buy it or you can go to a health food store and buy it. And yes, it's going to cost a lot more, double or triple the price as refined coconut oil or refined all the other refined oils, either the coconut, the, the canola oils and the vegetable oils and the hydrogenated oils that people usually use to cook their food. But there's a reason for that. It's because it is more expensive because it's minimally processed and it's as pure as you're going to find. I'll jump in here now. I, I did some years ago voluntary youth work and we had a, a child social worker who would go around to all the youth clubs representing the borough that I live in here in, in, in South Wales, Ronda Cannon South. And she came out with this uh, statement 
And I ended up asking her, and I said, the, the issue was it was the young kids were having, in specifically in the borough, in, in Rodder Cannon's half, had a greater amount of uh, teeth issues and requiring higher levels of dental work. And in fact, her indoors, my girlfriend, said the same thing. There was a documentary here in the UK about a, a, a section, a poor, basically, uh, people up in Scotland where they went on to one housing estate and every single child on the housing estate had caviars. Now, here's the thing. Uh, they wasn't all eating what you would think is of junk food. But I'll give it, this is the problem with the uh, section of population down here in South Wales. So they were having what we call ready meals. And even, and I eat this thing, premium ready meals, specially selected, as opposed to the generic or the low cost ones in, in supermarkets, um, never mind meal prep or stuff that's uh, you're buying, you know, fast food and having it delivered or whatever. So the problem here's the problem. And Steve and I have both worked for brief periods of time, Steve for a little while, myself a little bit longer in the food industry. It's quite simple. Meals like that are made to a price. There has to be a profit. They are frozen at source and then they are transported sometimes halfway across the country. So 1,500 or 1,800 miles in the States, six 700 miles here in the UK. And then they might sit on the shelf in the supermarket, either unfrozen or frozen. And then they are, at some point they're put into your freezer in your house. So the food can easily be a month old, not ready prepped like you're, we've talked about earlier on, which would be a week old and best. And you made it and you know what's got into it. The other issue is the amount of preservatives in order to have it last and taste nice after a month. So there's lots of preservatives, lots of stabilizing ingredients in there. And the last one, and this is the reason why kids here in South Wales, uh, in, in this area of a certain part of the population, were having way more cavities and teeth issues, was the glucose syrup. And why is glucose syrup added? Because it's a low quality, low grade piece of meat that's been used to make the meal. And then the glucose syrup essentially sweetens it. It sweetens the sauce. It sweetens the the, 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 whatever it's been covered with, and it sweetens the meat. It makes the meat taste nice. Whereas if you took the meat out and cooked it separately, you'd realize how low grade it is. It's a cheap pack of meat. It has to be a cheap pack of meat for the supermarket, for the distributor, for the, the company that's making it to make a profit. But that's not what you have to do. So you realize straight away just how bad these things are. I mean, a good example, I've always known that the American uh, restaurant business for years, my reputation here in the UK was all about value for money. In other words, you always got lots of food on your plate. You always got so much that you almost, if you didn't hit it all in one heat, there was, was enough for another half a meal, a doggy bag that you could take home. And this way you felt that the money that you spent for providing food for you and your family was not only well spent and everybody ate well and had full bellies, but there was enough food there to take home, to give to the dog, to have an extra meal for yourself and whatever else. The problem is, in order to do that, they have to have cheaper ingredients and they have to pad out the meal. And what we're talking about here really is food for function and food for health. As an example, we, Steve and I discussed this on other podcasts. We talked about uh, what vagrancy and that sounds a bit bizarre, but what a vagrants eating, Steve, we talked about is they're literally getting food from garbage and the most of the food that they're eating, the food that they have access to, the food that they can kind of afford to buy is fast food. And because they're not having this as a treat, because this is their regular food all the time, they are ended up with borderline malnutrition, skin issues, hair issues, eye issues, 
their, their diet doesn't vary. And unfortunately, and this is part of the economy, it's part of uh, uh, price increases, including food. My shopping prices have gone up, regardless of whether I buy luxury food or premium food. It's just gone up anyway. And that applies to the whole of the population. That that the, the quality of food and the quality of food you can afford to spend money on becomes limited if you have a family, two, three kids, if you have a car and a mortgage. So you have to make certain kinds of choices or you have to work extra hard to afford the same quality food that you was having before. And that includes premium cuts of meat, fresh vegetables, stuff that's organic. Unfortunately, those things are more expensive. So we understand why. The problem then becomes is you are having this 24-7. I mean, the last thing we could talk about, Steve, and this is cereals. <laughs> um, if we were talked about the quality of food that people are having for breakfast, and I'm thinking especially of cereals, very well-known brands that have, and copies of those same brands that have found in supermarkets just for breakfast versus, for example, and again, it sounds incredibly boring, but even this you can do stuff to a high-quality oatmeal or even homemade muesli. I've done that, Steve. I've brought my own oatmeal and then I've gone out and bought some dried mixed fruit. Uh, and you can do this stuff yourself. You can put fresh fruit in there. And then if you are, again, prepping for a competition, wanting to get that, wanting to get ripped, you can add stuff like cinnamon to your breakfast cereal, to your oatmeal. And you can do different things on a day. You can top your oatmeal with fresh fruit. And again, that one day that could be grapes, one day it could be bananas. This stuff is so goddamn easy, Steve. That, that meal could be done in five minutes. The chicken breast thing that I mentioned earlier on is an hour's work for five days' worth of food, for two meals a day, five days' worth of food. It is that easy. It really is easy. And ultimately, because you're not putting extra stuff on there, it's like putting high-performance fuel into a car. You are controlling what's going in, the oils that go into that car, the filter's super clean, the car runs smoothly, all the lubricants are tipped up, and the fuel, the fuel is a premium fuel. And this is what's going to happen, guys. You will see if, for example, yesterday's training session was a bit hard. Honestly, two scoops more of muesli in the morning, uh, a, a, another half bag of rice in the afternoon, and boom, you're up three, 400 calories. Another half potato baked the way that we talked about, and boom, you're up enough calories just to get through those workouts. And the quality of food, again, even if, for example, and it can sound incredibly boring when you do this, but if you have the same meal four times a day, your energy levels are even through the day. Your protein intake is even through the day. You can you can add a little bit extra half can of tuna for after a workout. Steve will tell you this. I have protein drinks after my workout, but the best thing food-wise to have after a, a, a workout is an actual meal. So guys, all simple. Real easy, all under your control, and crazy, crazy healthy. If you want to get lean, you want to get ripped, you want to get mushy, if you want to get strong, learn to meal prep. Trust me, guys, it is 100% an idea that you should absolutely give, give time to, and you will see the value of it. Please note, we are not doctors, and the opinions are ours. It's our view, and it's based on our experience and views on the topic. A podcast for informational purposes and entertainment only. The freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.